Micah chapter 6, starting with verse 1. Hear what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the indictment of the Lord, and you enduring fountains of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment against his people, and he will contend with Israel. O oh, my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I set you before Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O oh, my people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, devised, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him, and what happened to Shittim and Gigal. Do you know that you may know the righteousness acts of the Lord? What does the Lord require? With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand, with thousands of rams, with ten thousand of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with our God. May God bless the reading of his word. And let's turn our time over to Cola. Does God hold up? If we looked at the actions of God, if we looked at his character more closely, would we see chinks in the armor? Would we see cracks in the veneer? I was thinking about it earlier this week uh, because of the news of Ravi Zacharias. Now, Ravi Zacharias was uh, a really influential uh, Christian leader for me. He was an itinerant preacher and evangelist and apologist who, who traveled across the world defending the faith for 48 years, wrote these incredibly insightful books. And when I was a teenager, I used to listen to his, his radio program, Let My People Think, every night for hours. And I listened to hundreds, if not thousands of episodes. It was forming for me. And earlier this week, um, Ravi Zacharias passed away in May. And there are allegations later, <clears throat> a few months after he passed away, of sexual misconduct. And earlier this week, uh, it was confirmed through his organization, hired private investigators to look that uh, they were verified. And it got me thinking about how so many people are fallible. Our leaders, our Christian leaders, our political leaders, dude, our, our sports heroes and icons. It, it seems like if you just looked in history about anyone, if you just looked hard enough, you'd find something that would disqualify them. Or at least that would, that would, that would make their rosy, perfect veneer fade a little bit and make it look a little bit less rosy. Now, what if we held God up to that? Does God prove to be good? And that's what's happening in this passage in Micah 6. It starts as, as, as a court case, and it, it's a summons for God and for Israel. And God has a contention against Israel because Israel is accusing him of not being who he says he is. The accusation in verse 3 is 
is God speaking. It says, oh, my people, this is the accusations, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? It's an accusation of saying, God, you're not who you say you are. And now it calls witnesses in Micah. And the witnesses all creation. Notice this language. Verse 1. Hear what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains. Let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the indictment of the Lord. And you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment against his people. And he will contend with Israel. This is the beginnings of a court case. And the witnesses, who can bear witness between God and man? Only creation, only the mountains. Only the foundations of the earth might be able to bear witness. It's serious stuff. The accusation is being levied against God. Now, how does God defend himself against this accusation of God? Are you good? Are you consistent? Have you remained faithful? God says, through, God says this. He gives three examples in verses 4 and 5. For... I have brought you, brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. I sent you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. That's one. The second one is this. Oh, my people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, devised and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him. That's the second one. The third. And what happened from Shittim to Gilgal that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. So God defends himself in three ways. I'm going to add two. The first way that God defends himself, he says, remember Egypt. Remember how you were oppressed and how I brought you liberty and freedom from that oppression. And when he brought them out of Egypt, not only did he free them from slavery, but he also formed them into a nation. He brought them identity. And he gave them, through Moses and Aaron and Miriam, leaders as well. So God says, I freed you, I formed you, and then I also led you. I gave you identity. That's the first thing. Yeah, that's the goodness of God. The second one, when Balak, the king of Moab, he sent Balaam, and, 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 and he sent Balaam, he said, when you see Israel, curse them so that we can win our wars against them. And when Balaam came up, and as he was about to speak curses over Israel, the only thing that flowed from his mouth was blessing because God intervened. And he tried this again and again, and every time he tried to curse, the only thing that would come out would be blessing. God, in this, this is in Numbers 22 if you want to read the whole story. What God did is he turned his enemies' curses into Israel's blessings. He protected them. So he brought them from Egypt, freed them, formed them, gave them identity, gave them leaders, but then he also protected them too. So far, it looks like God has been good, has been consistent to his character. The last one is when, he, when they went from Shittim to, to Gilgal, that, that moment there is the parting of the Jordan River. And after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness because of their sin, now they're able to go into the promised land. And the promised land is a symbol of rest. Oh, a place where you can just breathe and not worry. So 
what God says about himself, his defense of himself is, remember what I've done for you. Remember the good things, how I've provided for you, how I've freed you, how I formed you and gave you an identity of the people of God, how I led you and protected you from your enemies. When they wanted to bring curses on you, I brought blessing and I led you into a place of rest. Might I add two more? We just, we just came over Christmas. Christmas just happened. And we remember the birth of Jesus. And remember Dr. Arthur's sermon saying, Jesus did not take any advantage, but he says, give me what they have. Don't give me anything more. That's why he was born in a manger, born in precarious circumstances. And remember what he came for to take the weight of our sin, to take our punishment upon himself, to die on the cross, but then rise again and claim victory over that, that, me, that we might be restored in our relationship, in our walks with God. Remember that Jesus came. And, and, in, in, and even too, remember, even in this year, that God has still been good to you. There's been a lot of recaps of 2020 and all the crazy and terrible things that have happened. But do you remember the good things that God has brought for you? Because 2020 for me has been kind of, a, kind of a terrible year in a lot of ways. It was the year my family was supposed to come. And they didn't because of COVID. You know, I lost my dishwashing job. <laughs> And I used the proceeds of my dishwashing job to be able to support my family in Taiwan. And then the job I had lined up after seminary originally, that fell through as well. It was, I, I've lost so many support systems in my life. It's been a really painful and hard year for me. But as I sit back and think about the year and reflect on it a little bit, you know, I realized that Though I have not been able to see my family and I'm not going to be able to see them until probably September of next year, that God has provided me a family here at CB. You have become a family to me. And, and another CB-related thing, too, is that this was God's provision, was that he actually allowed me to be able to work here and serve you guys. You know, and, and, and as I talk to my wife about, you know, being separated and not being together and how much longer it's going to be, we also recognize that God has still been with us, that he has been blessing our relationship, that he's been blessing the growth of our girls and protecting their hearts against frustration and sadness and bitterness. He's been protecting our hearts against that too. And, and we realize too that there, there are lessons that we've learned now that we never could have learned if we were together, that God has been good, that he has been near to us, that he has never left us. In the year of 2020, as we reflect on it, we recognize that God has been good to us, right? So we have the history of God leading the people of Egypt, leading the people from Egypt, freeing them, bringing them justice, leading them, providing for them, protecting them from curses, but instead blessing them leading them into peace. We remember Jesus coming and becoming our salvation, the light of the world. 
And we also recognize that he's still working now, that God is proved good. And as we reflect on it, as we think about it, God is good. When we look closely at the actions of God, he's proved to be good. And what happens now is that the lens moves from God and it turns to us. And it said, God is good, but what about you? This is important. Because if God wasn't good, if we looked in the veneer and we saw that there were cracks in there, if we, then we would have no responsibility, we would have no culpability either. Because God is calling out in Micah the leaders for their own injustices. If you remember chapters 1 to 3, he says, You haven't been taking care of the poor, you leaders. You political leaders have only been worrying about your own gain. You spiritual leaders have been perverting the message of God so that, so that you would be elevated in a higher position. Now, if God, as our ultimate leader, wasn't good, if he wasn't faithful, if he wasn't consistent with what he says he is, then it wouldn't matter how wrong we are. But now that we know he's good, what do we do? And it turns on us. How might we approach God? Verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord? How am I supposed to come before God? How am I supposed to live? Now, what do you, now God first gives us the way which we aren't supposed to live. You read that in the rest of 6 and 7. He gives us three ways. And he, he, gives us, he, he gives us three ways, but he, 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 he presents it in three rhetorical questions. And clearly the answer to these is no. Listen to this. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? No. No. Right? It's like, you know, I, mean, I mean, you might think maybe, shall, shall I give a burnt offering of a calf a year old? Well, maybe, right? But then, but then it escalates a little bit more. Shall I give rivers of oil to you, God? And, but then it, it continues to escalate. Shall I give my own son? Right? That's pagan territory. What pagans did to try to appease God, to try to please God's, particularly the God of Moab, was that they would, they, they would have these, these statues that were hollowed out, that were metal, and that the statues would, would have its arms like that. There would be these 10-foot-long statues. And then it, the statues were hollow, and so inside the statues that they, would burn, that they would burn wood, and the statues would heat up, and they would offer their kids in the statues' arms, and their children would burn alive. It says, is that what I'm supposed to do? Should I try to become more and more religious and like the pagans to try to please you? And obviously the answer is no, right? Did you see that last sentence? Shall I give the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Can I give all these external things for an internal and inward problem of my sin? And the answer is no. What God wants from us is to address the evil, to address the sin that is in us. 
and for Israel, the sin that is in them. And he gives three ways to do it. He says, verse 8, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Now you'll notice again that these three things, to do justice, to love kindness, walk humbly with God, come in direct contrast, direct opposition to the sins of chapters 1 to 3, of oppressing the poor, of leaders only in it for material gain, for spiritual leaders perverting the message of God for status. And what God says here, he says, when we reflect on the goodness of God, yes, he has been good to us, how we ought to respond is, also, is not just external things, it's not just hyper-religiosity, not trying to become a super-Israelite or a super-Christian. The way we respond is by dealing with our sin. And it says, you've been walking in this way of arrogance, of not being with the Lord, of oppressing the poor, of ignoring the needy. And he says, no, turn the other way. Take a 180, repent, move the other direction, and move towards doing justice, loving kindness, walking in humility with the Lord. Our response to the goodness of God is to deal with our sin and repent, and also to do good. And how relevant are these three things to do justice, especially in this year where a lot of injustice has come to the forefront. Maybe we've been ignorant of it or maybe we've been ignoring it, but now we can't because we know. If we know that God is good, we must be people who address injustices. Uh, one of the most practical ways that I've heard was when Patek came about three or four weeks ago to share with Karis about how, about, she gave a brief primer about injustices and what we might be able to do. And one of the things that she said is, it, it takes a lot of self-reflection, but then also, too, do your research. And, and find something that, that, that you really care about. Narrow and focus and hone in on something that you really deeply care about. And there's probably someone already doing some work in that area and see how you can partner alongside of them and work towards justice. So when's the last time you thought about that? To do justice, to repent from your sin and to do justice. What about, what about loving kindness? One of the other translations that you could use for this is loving steadfastly or with patience. Has it been a hard year to do that? <laughs> Probably. I, I talk with my wife a, a, a lot, almost every day. And one of the things that she struggles with the most and that she knows that she shouldn't do is get angry and, and bring that anger and frustration out on her kids, on our kids. Right? And, and maybe it's been a hard year as, as Taiwan, is, Taiwan has been relatively good, but she's working as a single mom right now. What about you for your kids at home? Are, are you dealing with, 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 with lacking kind, kindness, steadfastness, patience, loving your kids as they ought to be? Or what about our coworkers? Or what about our parents? 
maybe, maybe that's the area where we recognize the goodness of God and we need to repent and move towards doing loving kindness and being patient and walking humbly with God. How about that? It's been a, it's been a hard year. <laughs> I recognize that. And maybe your times with the Lord have suffered because of it. I hear a lot of stories of people who say, I have a lot more free time to read the word. And I always feel convicted because I always don't use my free time to read the word. And in fact, a lot of the support systems that, that kept me in place with loving Jesus, like meeting with people regularly, going to church, hearing people around me sing, those things have been taken away from me because of COVID. And it's been harder for me to engage with the Lord. But it said, hey, as I reflect on the goodness of God, how he has been near, how he has brought me freedom, how he has brought me peace, how he has been good to my family and me this year, maybe I need to move away from my own pride of wanting to just veg out and do nothing with my time and say, and, 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 and move away from that arrogance to say, God, maybe I want to recognize that I am sinful and move towards you again and be with you and be humble as I walk with you once more. You know, we're, we're in a time right now, we're in kind of this lull between Christmas and New Year's where we do have a little bit of extra time to reflect on the year and plan and move forward to next year as well. So how about we take some time today, maybe this week, to remember the goodness of God. Remember how he has been faithful to us as you read the scriptures, as you think of Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross, as you think of how God has saved you, how he's been close to you. And, you know, and, and, and how he's been near to you this year. And if you don't have anything, if you don't have any ways that God's been faithful to you this year, email me. Let me know. I would love to talk with you about how God has been faithful to me and my family in the midst of, like, us being away. Give you some of the details. Give you some of the, the struggles that I've been facing, how God has met me here. Right? Take, would you take some time to reflect and remember that God has been good to us? and to you. And as we reflect on the goodness of God, why don't we also take some time as well to reflect on, are there ways where we need to repent? Are there ways where we need to change, where we need to make things right in our own lives between us and God, between us and the poor and the needy around us? And if you don't know where to start in your repentance, how about these things here? Doing justice. Shout out to, there's a Slack group that, that, is, that, that since March or since April has been continuing to talk and meet about how our church might be more engaged in social justice. Right? If you don't know where to start, how about with justice? Or how about loving kindness, loving patiently, loving steadfastly with people that you have trouble loving and making a commitment to do that. 
Or how about just your, your, your walk and your relationship with God? Saying in humility, God, I need you. I was walking arrogantly this way, away from you, doing my own thing. But now I recognize that I need you. Yeah, let's take some time this week, these days, where we do have time to reflect before the busyness of the season, to remember the goodness of God and how we might repent and be people who do what is good. To do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with our God. Amen.